Erica Rooney is a chief people officer. She is a speaker, a fitness fanatic. She is the C-suite whisperer, and she is the author of Glass Ceilings and Sticky Floors, Shattering Limiting Beliefs and Toxic Behaviors to Uncover Infinite Possibilities. Welcome, Erica. Hey, how is it going? I'm so pumped to be here. Yeah, it's going great. I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little about your personal life, more about your work, and why you do what you do. Oh, my goodness. Well, first and foremost, I'm a mom. I've got two little kids. They're five and eight, so they keep me crazy busy. As you said, I'm a fitness fanatic. That has been a part of my life for so long. Ever since I was in college, I was a personal trainer and live in North Carolina. Love doing all things that are related to growth. So anything that's going to push me outside my comfort zone, I uh, approach that with caution because, of course, it's scary, but I still do it every single time. Um, professionally, chief people officer by day. And then in all the other cracks of the day, I fill in all the amazing things like podcasting and book writing and executive coaching and consulting. So very busy, but I love it all. And it all fits together. It all plugs together. When you say that growth is, of course, scary, is it really? Or do you just say that because it's kind of a casual thing? I mean, there are things that I do where I'm like, I cannot believe I'm about to attempt this. (laughs) And my palms sweat and my heart races. And even in the, the things that I teach people, like when we're talking about negotiating a raise or asking for anything big that's outside of your zone, I still get very nervous about those things. I still get very uncomfortable. It is much easier to coach someone on how to do those things than to actually do them yourself. So number one, if you ever have a coach that tells you like, oh, it's super easy, it's not scary, they're lying to you because it really is. But I just make myself do it because it is my life's work. There's this gap between what we intellectually know, what we really want for ourselves, and then what we actually do. And so when you say you make yourself do it, so in spite of those feelings, in the face of them, you still take that next step or pick up the phone or whatever it might be. Is that a learned behavior? Absolutely. And that kind of ties in with a lot of why I do what I do and what I wrote my book about. And all of these things can be uncomfortable. All of these things can also hold us back, right? Many of these things are unconscious, but at some point, they typically become something we are aware of. And when we become aware of these things that are holding us back or keeping us stuck, we have two choices, right? Choice number one is ignore it, stuff it way down deep and keep going and just live in the life. Or the second thing is to actually confront that and take a moment. And I've actually created this method called the SNAP method, which is all about snapping out of those sticky floors, which that's what I call the limiting beliefs and toxic behaviors that keep us stuck so that we can shatter any kind of glass ceiling that we have in our life. Now, most of the time you're talking about glass ceilings, you're thinking about the corporate world, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can be about any ceiling that you have placed on your own life. I can't do this because, or I will never be able to because. That is a ceiling that is self-imposed typically. So to snap out of it, you have to first stop and recognize what is going on in the body. So I've already mentioned like the racing heart, the sweaty palms, maybe you're very antsy and you bounce around, whatever that physical sensation is, 
the body knows before the brain does. So you've got to stop and take note. Then you have to N, name it. Because if you don't sit there and say, you know what? I'm feeling really anxious right now, or I'm feeling really scared. Why? What is that? And really kind of diving in to what is that sticky floor that is holding you back. The A is ask and answer some really very introspective questions. Why am I thinking this way? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this true? Is one of my favorite questions to ask. Going back to the raise question, you know, a lot of times you're thinking, oh, I can't ask for that much money. I don't, you know, deserve that much money. They'll never pay me that much money. Is that true? Well, if you don't know if they'll pay you that much money or not, right? Mm -hmm. The second question I always love to ask is, is it helpful? Is it helpful that you're thinking that? Probably not, because all of that's doing is adding to the anxiety, adding to the nerves, and it's not allowing you to take the last step, which is the P for pivot. And it's all about pivoting that thought process. So they don't pay anyone that much money yet. I've never made that much money yet. And it's just sometimes adding that one word or sometimes it's completely flipping the script from I don't deserve to make that much money to dang, look at everything that I'm doing. I actually do deserve this money. I am doing the most and really kind of talking yourself through that process. But when you can really work through that SNAP method, you can use that to overcome the sticky floors and whatever trepidation you have that's keeping you stuck. I think that that's super powerful. How do we, moving from unconscious to conscious, how uh, that's, I think mm, it's hard. Is, 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 is that where most people get stuck or do most people get stuck where it's just, I feel it in my body and I'm going to just push it all down? I think there's two places people get stuck. I think the first is recognizing that behavior because it is so easy to turn a blind eye. It is so easy to say, I, you know, nope, I'm going to shove that way down deep. I'm not going to worry about it. And, and we do that unconsciously because it protects us, right? It's mm -hmm. really this protection mechanism because many of these sticky floors stem from places of belonging, right? We worry about what other people will think of us in the end. We don't want to be shunned out from the group. So a lot of it, we do all of that at once. But then the second place people get stuck that in my work that I have seen is in the work of doing the true pivot work, because you have to continually remind yourself to hone in on those answers that you've already given yourself and stay true to those and to move forward even when it's hard. We are so conditioned to do the easier thing because why Why wouldn't we want life to be easy, easier? Why wouldn't we wanna do the easy thing? But you have to, for a while at least, go out of your way and do that challenging thing. So I'm a big fan of keeping visuals in front of you to stay focused on whatever that sticky floor is. So for me, I actually have a little beaded bracelet. It's called an intention bracelet. I'm wearing it right now. And every time I see this, I think of the word that gives me the most power right now in my life, which is undeniable. And so whenever I am feeling those sticky floors where I'm like, okay, I know that I have a tendency to do this. I kind of just touch this bracelet and I remind myself that I'm undeniable. And that kind of brings me back to that place where 
I've done the work. I've answered the questions. I just have to remind myself, stay focused and use that little bit of momentum to carry me through doing the pivot, doing the hard thing. And so I think if you can get something easy, whether it is a word of the year that you keep displayed somewhere or just a bracelet, like I have to touch yourself or a cause for a pause. And I'm actually borrowing this from my friend, Jen Drummond. And her cause for pause is every time she touches a doorknob, she asks herself, like, am I recentering? Am I doing the thing that I want to do with my life? Like, let me just take that moment and focus in. So finding those causes for pauses. I love everything about that. I love it's incredibly it's super deep work understanding that I've gone through these steps. I've 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 moved from unconscious to conscious. I've I'm stopping and recognizing what's going on in my body. I've named it. I'm asking, I'm answering, and then I'm pivoting. <laughs> That's all fine and well, but if I don't have that mechanism in place for constantly reminding myself of the work that I've done, why this is important to me, and having that word, or the bracelet, the doorknob to reinforce and reinforce that I will inv inevitably just slip back into my old habits and routines. It's too easy. It is too easy to slip back into habits mm -hmm. and routines. And what I'll tell you too is sometimes we need our community, our loved ones around us to point out these sticky floors because they live in our unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So for example, I have a woman on my team. She loves to make people feel comfortable in her life because who doesn't, you know? However, in her way about doing this, she often takes the brunt of misunderstandings. So for example, she'd say, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, if I didn't send the meeting out on time, or I'm so sorry that, uh, and maybe I didn't do this, or I'm not the best at that. And she leads with creating a fault on herself. And I have worked with her to say, you know what, Courtney, you are always apologizing ahead of confronting someone else for their bad behavior. Why do you think that is, you know? And it was something she had never even noticed that she did before. She never noticed she was leading with the apologies. And so now we work together and she always really kind of centers herself. She also has a bracelet that she touches for reminders. And she says, okay, I'm not going to lead with the apology. I'm going to lead with this meeting started at 8.30. I know you couldn't get here until 8.45 today. Would it be better to reschedule? Instead of, oh, I'm sorry, maybe I didn't send it out on time. Maybe mm. I didn't do this right. So sometimes you need that loved one to call you out. I needed a loved one to call me out on my sticky floor of perfectionism one time. And that created this light bulb moment for me because I never would have called myself a perfectionist. But now that someone has pointed that out to me, I cannot unsee it. So lean heavily into community. Those people know you best and they can often see your patterns and call you out on those in a loving way. And then you can start to pivot your behavior. Community and feedback, so powerful. So do you share with these people that here, these things that I'm working on? So how do they know? For myself or for them? Um, how... Yes. So with, with the, the person on your team that you're, that you're helping to coach, was, was she aware that this is something she's working on or through your coaching, you, you uncovered, you really, you're like a people pleaser. You'd like to make people feel comfortable. 
and you let people walk all over you. Not that that's true, but something like that. Right. So what I will do is if it's something that I have just noticed, I will bring it up because people usually come to me and they want to work on executive influence or they want to get a promotion and they're not sure why they're stuck. And so I'll observe them. I'll talk with them. I'll even see how they interact with me because a lot of time these things bleed out of the workforce into all areas of their lives. And so I will say, hey, I've noticed that you tend to lead with apologies on everything, even when it's really my fault, even when I messed up. Why do you think that is? And we'll talk about it and I'll ask them to observe. Is this something that you do in work? Is this something that you do at home? Is this something that we just do all the dang time? And have you ever noticed it before? Sometimes they'll tell me, yes, I've noticed it. A lot of times they'll say, I I never even realized that. No idea. No idea. Hmm. And so when we uncover, and that's what happened with me with perfectionism, is somebody came to me and they said, Erica, you are so dedicated to your fitness routines, but you only will do them when you have enough time. Like you don't try to condense it in. Like if you only got 20 minutes, but you prefer 30, you won't do the 20 minute workout. You'll only do it if you have 30 minutes. So are you actually making progress in your health and fitness goals? And I was like, no, I'm not. You know, and this was actually my husband that pointed it out to me because he is one of those go-getters that if he's got 15 minutes, he's going to do it. And I was looking at him and I was like, you are ridiculous. 15 minutes isn't going to do anything. But of course, by the end of the week, all those days that he got 15 minutes added up to an hour and all those days where I couldn't get 30 didn't add up to anything. And so now I've noticed that it is still a tendency in me because I spent so long in health and wellness that I think 30 minutes of cardio is the best. That's just what I love to do. But even this morning when I woke up, I only had 20 minutes and I was like, I'm going to do 20 minutes. And it makes me a little uncomfortable, but I did it. Nice work. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate everything you just said. We have, as a culture, been talking about self-care for, it's been a couple of years now, I feel like. And that's all fine and well from my perspective. It strikes me listening to what you've been talking about, that this is a real form of self-care above and beyond bubble baths and a glass of wine and taking the afternoon off, that when I make a decision to do something, that I honor that decision. I ask for feedback. I make the tough decisions. What do you think about that? I think that if you can't trust yourself, you are really going to struggle throughout life. And the first step in trusting yourself is doing what you say you're going to do. And yes, it is easier to not do the 20 minutes of working out. Or if you tell yourself, I'm not going to drink tonight, but you have a stressful day and you reach for a glass of wine anyways, you've got to keep that promise to yourself because otherwise those small acts over time add up to this big feeling of, I can't, I can't do that. I can't trust myself. I can't make these big, massive changes that I want in my life. But I really believe in this intersection of mindset and micro habits. And those micro habits are made in the everyday moment, right? Not picking up the glass of wine, lacing up the tennis shoes, walking on the treadmill that maybe turns into a jog, who knows? But by doing those small micro habits that you put into place, it impacts your mindset in a very positive way because you start to believe in yourself and you start to trust yourself. 
Can anybody make these kinds of changes? Anyone, everyone, and everyone should be working to make these changes. Small, tiny habits add up over time. The big, amazing things that you see happening in people's lives, those happen in these small daily actions, right? The micro habit of setting the alarm to get up at 4, 10 a.m., the micro habit of setting out your workout clothes in the morning, the micro habit of having a place prepared and ready for you to meditate, whatever your, your routine is in the morning, all of those micro habits add up and anyone can do it. It takes zero resources because sometimes it is just checking in with yourself. That requires nothing but five seconds of your time. So everyone should be doing this. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And it's true. I need to position myself for success for a lot of reasons, but most is that I need to overcome my 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 myself and my tendencies to be lazy or to seek comfort. Um, so if I'm not setting my alarm, if my shoes are not where they need to be and everything is 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 aligned, I'm just giving myself little exit ramps along the way from doing the things that I want to do. I believe in that so much. And I also believe that the greatest gift that you can give yourself is a dose of reality. Mm. And if you are letting those little bad micro habits set in, because you're either doing a micro habit that's going to do something great for you or one that's not that exit ramp. Mm. Giving yourself that reality check is sometimes what we need to turn the page, right? And however that looks to you, whether that is having a candid conversation with your spouse, whether that is journaling out where you're now, where you are now and where you want to be and what is that gap in between, sit down, get real with yourself and ask yourself, what are the micro habits that are either taking me closer or leading me further away from the life that I want to be leading? Super powerful. Yeah. You're either your habits are taking you closer or they're taking you further away. And that's funny. It's like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have any bad habits. Well, maybe you don't perceive those habits to be bad, but they are giving you what you're getting. And they add up over time. That that's the key that a lot of people don't realize is those bad habits add up over time, just like great small micro habits that are leading you closer to your dream. So to take it back to the fitness routine, when I was not getting five, 10 or 15 minutes of movement in every day, it was taking me five, 10 and 15 minutes away from where I wanted to be. And what people must realize is that our entire lives are lived in the micro habits, mm -hmm. right? Whether you get up and immediately get dressed and get ready for the day, or whether you get up, you take your time, you sit down on the couch, you read a book, or whether you hit that snooze button 15 times and you rush out of the house to barely make it to work and you feel frazzled, every single micro habit is adding up to your entire life. And I'm a firm believer that you don't stay the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're either getting closer to your dreams or further away. You're never staying exactly where you are. So are you on the right path? I love it. Erica, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you? And where can they get their copy of Glass Ceilings and Sticky Floors? 
Yes, I love it when people connect with me. I am huge on LinkedIn. So please head to LinkedIn and start following me there. Send me a message. Tell me you heard me on this podcast. I would love it. But I am on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, you know them all. I would say you can uh, find your copy of Classy Links and Sticky Floors in the pre-order link that will be in the show notes. I'll get it for you. And you can just click there and pre-order it and rock and roll. It is going to change your life, I hope. I wrote this book for anyone who is feeling stuck, but who isn't all about the woo-woo. They are about the science. They are about the true facts of how the brain works. So it's a really nice mix of the neuroscience and then the micro habit piece and how you can truly change your life. I love it. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Erica your appreciation, share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. When we're talking about doing this kind of work, it needs to be approachable and accessible. And I, I, I know that you are both of those things as well, Erica, as being undeniable. So thank, thank you again. Oh, thank you so much. Until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.